When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, Getafe will visit the Camp Nou this weekend. FC Barcelona will need a win to keep the pressure on Real Madrid and La Liga. FCB Femini are having a historic season, having already won the Supercopa. Usman Dembele had his surgery, and the club is in the market for a new signing. All these stories and more. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid is Gabriel Quiroga, your tactical analyst, and my co-host, Gabriel. How you doing, buddy? Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm enjoying the last days of my week off before my new job. Yeah. And as I've been telling you, I've been just watching football upon football upon football every night. Like last night, I watched the Copa del Rey. Another great matchup last night, just really tense. And man, I'm just... I'm getting things done during the day, and it's amazing when you don't have anything to do at night. You can just watch so much football here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an opportunity. Like I said, with the new format and the way these there's four new teams, there's just a new excitement about this tournament. And like I said, I watched the Athletic Bilbao Granada game, and it was really tense. One nothing, Athletic Bilbao pulled away from that, and just really back and forth. And again, Brian, as as I see these teams like Bilbao and Granada. I just the thing that jumps off for me compared to Barcelona is just the speed that these teams possess now that we still don't, you know. Yeah. Uh you know, you mentioned in the last episodes about how our wingers don't take 1v1. Man, these wingers last night were just taking those chances. And, you know, obviously they did not lead to successful plays or goals, but you can just see that they're going for goal and they're just trying to attack. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we don't have currently. But we have other strengths. We do. We do. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so have you been watching a lot of football? What else have you been watching? That's about it. I did watch uh, Parasite. I saw the movie. Oh, well, yeah. Best Picture. Very good. Gotta Very see good. it. I, I highly recommend it. I uh, hadn't even I, heard of it until the Oscar news came out. Yeah, so I, I, I heard about it, but I was still waiting for it. And I, I finally watched it on Tuesday. And man, Brian, I, I just recommend it. It's just from start to finish, just a really quality film. So... And that's about it. I've just been sleeping, uh, just doing some things, you know, for the pod that we've been talking about. And, you know, I just it's amazing how much time you have when, you know, like I don't have to look for this when job. you don't now, have a job. Just, yeah. And I can just focus on some other fun things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a nice week, you know, when you don't have a job and you don't need to look for a job. Yeah, exactly. That's a exactly. nice week to have sometimes. Sure. sure. Well, you know, there's something that we haven't talked about on this show in weeks and uh, it's a real disappointment that we haven't. The women's team, FCB Femini, they're tearing it up. They're, I mean, they're honestly having a, a much better season than the men's team. 
by all rights, we should probably be talking about them more. But you watched their most recent game. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, I watched the Supercopa that they play against Sociedad. And again, Brian, the, this is not this is not a good season. This is on pace to be a historic season because, you know, since we started the podcast, we've been monitoring the women's team and, you know, kind of their their rise in the last two years. And, you know, last year they fell in La Liga and they, they fell in um, in Champions League as well. But you could see the project that, that they were doing. And it's funny because the vision that they have for the women is clear and defined Whereas on the men's side, it's not. It's completely chaos right now, right? And you can see when you have a clear plan and it's executed well, how it works, right? They brought in some key players this season. They kept Oshwala, for example, the striker. They moved Tony Dugan. And I was able to watch this. And Brian, I mean, it is electric the way they are manhandling teams. Because not only are they manhandling teams. Woman handling. Women handling, sorry. (laughs) Women handling teams. The joy that they have to play and score goals is something that we are missing on the men's side. And I'm telling you, Brian, the way they are tic-tac-toeing away in the midfield and still playing the fundamental Barca style, it's just phenomenal. And now, like I said, they're on pace for a historic season. They just won the Supercopa. They have Copa del Arena that they won last night, right, the the, the round. So they're going to have the, the drawing tomorrow on Friday. So they're still in that. They have Champions League coming up. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a home and away against Atletico Madrid. And they got the the La Liga. But they're nine points ahead of Atletico. So they're looking good. So they're going to have a chance to win four trophies this season, considering they didn't get any last year. Or did they get the Super, uh, Copa de la Reina, I think? I think, that, yeah, they won the Copa yeah. de la Reina last yeah. year. That's really staggering to hear how far ahead they are of Atletico in the league because last two seasons they've been just one point behind it's been very tight all the way through and you know everything was decided really on their head-to-head match a lot of times or it went to the very last match day and I know that the season isn't over and anything could happen of course but man nine points ahead of Atletico that is a new development for them yeah I mean I for me it's one clear player that's made the biggest difference and that's Oshwala like she is the energy captain of that team like she goes for goal every single time and she don't give enough you know (laughs) like and i love that in a striker that attitude of being so direct but her arrogance her impressiveness of just how physical she is it has branched off onto the team you know i think last year they were still kind of not you know strength wise they were always kind of intimidated by bigger teams like psg for example not psg but leon and I think going into the season, by keeping her and, you know, shifting Dugan away, I think that was a huge move because, man, when I watch her play, I mean, if you haven't seen her play, man, you, it's it's just so impressive. The power and the strength that she possesses. And not only that, but the passing. And, man, she's just having a great season. And it's just branched off of that because now Martins is healthy. She's able to play free. The midfield is strong. And they're not allowing any goals. So not only are they scoring a lot, but they're also not allowing. Yeah, they're not allowing. And, again... When you have the ball in your, you know, it's the same philosophy as the men. If you have the ball in their half, but you're actually scoring goals, it just breaks the team's will. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know. Having and, been scored on many times, I can tell you, it can break your will. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's fantastic to see because, you know, we have been trying to promote this team to try to, you know, get more people to go to the matches. And they're still faltering on that because, again, they're not doing the greatest of marketing, but... You know, in the Supercopa, they had a really good turnout for the for the women's side. And again, I want to see them continue with this trajectory because in the whole grand scheme of things, Barcelona shows, you know, 
the importance of the women's game, whereas other La Liga teams aren't yet. Maybe I'd say Atletico Madrid, but for example, Real Madrid doesn't care. Right. Yeah, they don't care yet. Yeah. So shifting over to the men's team, where things are chaotic. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Less chaotic than the last week. Yeah, yeah. But still, there was apparently an article came out this week in France Football, the magazine that sponsors the Ballon d'Or. Was it written by Griezmann? You know more about this than I do. No, he was interviewed for it. He was interviewed by France Football. Okay, so article in France Football, interview with Griezmann. What did it say? Yeah, basically, it was just talking about the the locker room integration problems that he's having and also how his wife isn't getting along with the other uh, wags, you know, the other wives and girlfriends of the team. And also just, you know, one of the reasons that France Football pointed out that, you know, they think there's a problem with the locker room is that they're jealous of Griezmann's World Cup win in Russia, which I kind of think is... I don't know. I, petty? I think it's, it's super petty, right? <laughs> but as I told you before, we were going to record, you know, in this past weekend when Dijon scored, there's video where Griezmann goes to Messi to give him a hug and Messi kind of just shoons him away and hugs into Dijon, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I'm trying to remember what movie that was from where he just shies the, the woman away. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, my biggest problem with this is that there has been clues and video evidence of Messi not passing to Griezmann. Mm-hmm. And we've watched it. There's been plenty of times. And for this partnership to work or to have any success for this season and next season going forward, they have to iron this out. They have to trust each other. And I don't understand, you know, maybe there's something in the history and Messi just can't let it go. But he's got to learn how to let it go because Messi cannot do this all by himself. And as we continue to see him grow older, he's going to need help from other superstar players. I'm going to criticize Messi here. So just disclaimer. Okay. Greatest of all time, no doubt. Inspiring footballer. Seems like a great guy, but he is still human. He takes on too much onto his own shoulders sometimes. There have been occasions, particularly with the Argentine national team, where a lot of pressure and a lot of burden has been put on him by others to go it alone, to save the team. There have been those moments at Barcelona as well. But I think that he also puts that on himself. You can't, as the captain, effectively take a man off the squad when he's on the pitch. You have to try to include everyone. You have to be part of the team with everyone. If it's really for the club, if you really care about that crest on your chest, then you got to let your personal stuff go aside. And if that's what's happening, then that's not good, of course. But also just this other thing that I think that he takes too much onto his own shoulders i mean i would t- i agree with that you know and again i don't understand you know met or griezmann is such a world-class player yeah. and to integrate him even more make him feel more comfortable he's going to get more goals and more touches and i just don't understand that's going to lead to the success of the team and ultimately hopefully to more trophies which is messy what, what messy wants and again you know you know how it is. You know, you don't get along with everyone. I get that. But at the same time, you know, when you are playing a sport, you just have to get along with each other enough on the field to have success, you know. And if Messi just looks to Griezmann a bit more, I think Griezmann will feel included. Because for right now, Griezmann is the most complete forward we have right now. If we're just talking on the field where he, you know, not only is trying to score goals going up directly, but also on defense, you know, and Part of that is because Messi's older and he's got a bit of an injury issue. I get that. But you can't 
isolate Griezmann like this when he's working his butt off, you know, every game trying to do all the little things to help the team. Right. And it's also just a matter of professionalism. If playing him in more and getting him more involved is going to lead to more goals and more wins and more trophies, you know, it's your professional duty to do that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, he's doing his job, man. He's out there running. I, I feel like he's doing everything he can. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we said this season, you know, on counters where Griezmann is on defense? Yeah. You know, he's like covering for Alba and no other forward does that. So, again, I know he isn't scoring the, you know, astronomic goals that we expect as Barca fans, you know. But he's doing so much other things that you have to include that as well. And imagine if he did get some more touches and some more through balls from Messi, then maybe those would lead to more goals. And again, we've seen, you know, especially in the Ibiza game where he carried us, there's been other t- moments where he's been the first scorer of the game to start the, the, the tempo of the game. And so he does other things that I think are super valuable. It really just comes down, like you said, professionalism for Messi. And like today in the sports, uh, the sports program today, they had a big thing about this Messi versus Messi. Right? Because, <laughs> you know, he's just trying to be a perfectionist and it's like, how far is he taking it? You know? Right. Now, as far as injuries and new signings, as it's going to turn out, uh, Dembele did have his operation. It was successful, um, with a, well, a reported, recovery period of six months and that is leading to so there's two things to talk about here there's the fact of his surgery and his injury and then there's the result that the club will now be able to make essentially an emergency signing outside of the transfer window we thought it was going to be five months but officially now it's going to be six months and so now they're going to put in a petition in this week sooner than later for a new number nine i'm just curious which one that's going to be And if the board can actually pull this off, because I don't have faith in it. I mean, we talked about this in the last episode. I just think that they're still aiming for too high a price tag of a striker, especially if we couldn't get Rodrigo at 60 or 50 million. How are we going to get William Jose for 70? Right. You know, and again, we just don't have the money. And so I would rather just not even go for this because I just going forward, I would just rather take our chances for this next five months and then regroup in the summer and just try to reload this team. Yeah, but I mean, it seems like the club is definitely moving ahead with this. I read one report that said that the RFEF has already granted permission for them to sign a replacement. And of course, reports of interest in a few different players, including William Jose, uh, have circulated. We ran down four of the most likely candidates back on Monday's members only segment. And it just looks like that's what's going to happen. Now, I think the open question would be, is that new signing going to be just for the remainder of this season is it going to be your you know two and a half year contract kind of situation if it's just a short-term replacement if it's just a short-term replacement and especially if we go with one of those lower price older players it's probably just going to be for the remainder of the season yeah i mean i hope it's a short term you know because i would hate to take on one of these strikers for two years and then just have them sit on the bench and you know just because we needed them for this season they're not good enough to play for the rest of their contract so that's what my biggest fear is that's why i'm kind of just leaning i know you said they've already they're filing the paperwork and so forth but i would rather just you know just take these five months and just try to use barca b players or whoever you can just bandage the team until the summertime could we just bring moshwala in yeah oh that's a good point that's a good point you know (laughs) so we can just reset and just try to regroup because you know trying to sign someone out of an emergency is always the worst possible situation so let's say the club could afford the 70 million for william jose 
Okay. Do you see him as someone who could do well, not just for the remainder of this season, but in the future? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think he, he'd be okay. But again, it's, you know, we have these other number nines that are much younger, sexier, faster, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to spend that money, you could get like the guy from Inter. You know what I'm saying? At 60 or 70 or 80, you know? So again, that's, that's the biggest problem for me. And I just don't think technically he, he's, a Barca type player for the striker. Like he's just not really good with his feet as compared to like being physical and playing in the air and so forth. So again, it's those type of things. And again, how long is it going to take him to integrate into the team? Right. You know, learning a new system, playing an appointment with a four, three, three. Again, those are just all these things because Brian, like, you know, it's one thing to play forward, but when you're playing in different systems, different positions, and all of a sudden you're never going to get crosses. Yeah. You know, like Barca never gives them crosses. Then all of a sudden you have to really adjust and find those opportunities to even get a shot on goal. So it's going to be a huge adjustment for whoever comes into this team. Yeah. Because it's just, a, it's a, I mean, you're seeing Griezmann this whole season and he's scored some goals, but he's still having problems as well. Yeah. You know, with the Willian Jose situation, if he's the top prospect, and I know that the club says they can't, they couldn't afford Rodrigo, which I don't totally buy. If you really wanted him, like, I'm pretty sure that Barca could get credit from a bank or something. But there's also the fact of the Barca bump, right? We've seen this with Musa Wage, right? He was at the B team. He was doing fine. They moved him up to the first team, played hardly at all, but his market value increased that much more. His buyout clause was raised. If Barca signed Willian Jose for, and they pay his buyout clause of $70 million, they could easily set his buyout clause at $100 million, $110 million. And as long as he plays, and he does marginally well, just by the virtue of the fact that he'd be playing for Barca, his market value would go up. They could sell him over the summer back to Sociedad for a profit. I mean, that's a good point. But again, I just don't have any faith with his board. Yeah. You know, whatever they sign or they I mean, that you're right on that. You know, they always get a bump and so forth. But again, I'm just curious to see which four they go for, because that'll tell us that'll indicate to us, you know, how much money they're willing to spend and also the terms of the contract. So I'm curious to see what happens again. We just always go back to this. Todibo, Perez, just would have been nice to keep him. Yeah. Now tell me about Weekend at Ernie's. Yeah, I love this. This made my day, Brian. This made my day because there's another human in Bilbao that's on vacation as well. Not only me, right? So (laughs) this was fantastic, right? I tweeted this out, Weekend at Ernie's. It's like, it's the best. So there's a Bilbao coaching symposium today. And and so they had a coaching panel. They had Emery there and some other coaches from Bilbao. And Valverde was there. And all the coaches, Brian, were in suits, okay, <laughs> looking professional yeah. and everything. Valverde strolls in in a sweater. He has no more gray hair. <laughs> he has a beard, okay? And he's just, like, high as life right now because that guy is collecting a 20 mil check, you know, just enjoying the life. And they were asking him, like, what his next step was. And he's like, man, I'm a weird guy. I could see myself in Australia next season. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like really candid about the questions. You know, he was just talking about how he had a lot of luck landing this job. He said, as soon as I signed the pen to paper, all of a sudden everyone hated me. You know, that type of idea of like all the pressure and so forth. But I mean, the main the main thing I just took away, he just looked super spry, just happy. And just like I said, has a beard, no more gray hair and just loving life right now. Yeah, man. From the sound of it, I'm surprised he didn't just stroll in in a tracksuit brown bag in it. Yeah, with a margarita. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Good for him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he worked the system, baby. Yeah. 
Have you seen the trailer for this new Iniesta documentary? I have, and it's fantastic. It's great. I mean, when I watched it, the thing that really s- struck me was was the the scope of the people they got to to talk about Iniesta. It's not just Barca players or managers or former managers. It's Spanish national team players. It's I mean, you could get anyone to talk about him, and they'll have great things to say about him as a footballer and as a human being. And it looks like a really fun, inspiring, nostalgic documentary. For sure. And I love it. Like you watch the the trailer and it's the two things. It's the Chelsea goal and the World Cup goal that are just etched in my memory forever. I mean, I never forget where I was for the Chelsea goal and also the World Cup goal. And those are just moments for me that eventually kind of just led me here to moving to Spain. You yeah. Know? Because of my love for football, my love for Barca, my love for, you know, Iniesta essentially. And man, I mean, like you said, they got all these players And, you know, Brian, it's just really interesting how luck and coaching plays in a player's career. Like, I'm reading this book still about the formation and tactics ever since 1996 and how each country has adapted. And it's crazy how, you know, if Pep doesn't come in or another coach, if Van Gaal doesn't have faith in Iniesta, Iniesta's career could have gone sideways. You know, he could have been vaunted out to the side. You know, during the World Cup, he had injury issues. And it wasn't until he went to a different physio that he was able to get success and stay healthy and then eventually find onto the World Cup team. So in, in, a, in a footballer's life, there's all these, you know, twists and tangles that happen. And Iniesta was able to maneuver that. And more importantly, like everyone loves him, not only as a player, but also as just a, a man. Right. I mean, everyone you see in that trailer, they just like they absolutely adore him. And then you and I, you know, for me, he's definitely in my top five of all time because I just the things he's able to do at his height, you know, him and Javi. I mean, just spectacular. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I've... I've never really thought too much about why I sort of gravitate a little bit more to Chubby. But it's... though Him and Iniesta are easily my top two. I know why. Why? Because Chubby's more of the composer. Mm. <laughs> like, he's more of the guy that, like, makes... On the field, he's planning the attack without planning the attack type of thing. It's almost like he's putting this this you know piece of music together right and Iniesta follows that and he's maybe like the strongest instrument player but also he is known for his goals too you know he has like some really important goals and he scored more goals than you think so I think maybe that's why because Javi's more kind of the the composer the you know the band leader of that type of thing yeah. musically whereas Iniesta is like the strong but he's also just in in coordination with Javi, you know? Right, yeah. It has been said that I am the Chavi of this podcast and you're the Iniesta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I set things up and essentially it can't happen without me, but you actually bring the the flair, the character onto the uh, onto the airwaves. I, I take that as a great compliment. Iniesta de mi vida. Yeah, right? as, <laughs> and, and as do I. So that was Max Bluer that made that comparison by the way so thanks for that max i feel like i should give him credit he's part of the family he is is. yeah now finally luis suarez could be back at the end of april huh well i can't wait we need to get him back as soon as possible it's funny because he posted something on instagram yesterday where he was walking normal with his hands up and everyone flipped out on twitter he's like oh he's back baby good yeah way to be put him in (laughs) again i honestly don't know if he's going to be back by April, obviously it's all on him. Um, again, I think his most important goal right now is for the summertime rather than the season now. And again, we may be out of Champions League by the time he comes back. So 
that's a distinct possibility. So, yes, he's going to try to come back early. But again, how effective is he going to be? How long is it going to take him to get back into fitness? I mean, we always talk about this at the beginning of preseason that he usually takes five weeks to get in season, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, how long is it going to take him now? So, yeah, you might be able to put him on the squad sheet in April, but it's going to be the season's going to be over by the time he would be, you know, performing. I think the bigger question really is where's the team going to be in April? That's a that's a good point. I mean, that's that's really what it's going to. I mean, if we are still in champions and fighting for La Liga, then obviously he's going to be desperate to come back. But I honestly think his major goal for summertime for Copa America, that's what he did the surgery for to be in you know health by that time. I think that is the primary goal, and then anything else before that is gravy. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get into La Liga and the next match that's coming up. Catafe is going to be visiting the Camp Nou. In La Liga, match day 24 this weekend, let's break down Getafe. They're actually having a pretty historic season of their own. They're in third place with 42 points, only 10 behind Real Madrid, 7 behind Barcelona. Yeah, they're, like you said, they're having a historic season. Ever since they've been promoted, they've had this coach that's been with them. He has had a plan, he has had a style, and he has adapted this team. And now this team, like you said, they're having their best season. And little old lonely Getafe, you know? Yeah. I always have... The fondest of memories teaching English in Hitafi my first year. It's so far here for Madrid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I was doing the scouting of this. It's in the it's community. Funny. Yeah, It's yeah. in the Madrid community. It is. It is. It is. It's circa the Australian you have to take. Yeah. But, uh, um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting because this week they've been, they've been profiled here a lot in the sports because they've, their last four wins, Brian, Athletic Bilbao, Real Betis, uh, Leganes and Valencia. That's their last four wins. That's that's pretty impressive. And just the way they've been every year doing better. I mean, last year they finished fifth. This year they're in third. And they are most likely going to be in champions next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think they're definitely on track for that. And like that win against Valencia last week, that was 3 nothing. Yeah, they completely dominated. And, you know, Hitafe is not known for winning the possession battle. And in this game, they won the possession battle 53 to 47. But more importantly, Brian, they had 22 total shots with 10 on target. And they made Valencia look like a junior team. And this is the same Valencia that has given us so many problems. And I know you can't correlate, but I'm just saying Hitafe did this at the Mestalla. Yeah. And as we all know, the Mestalla is a difficult place to play for the away team. I would be even more scared of this team if we were playing in Hitafe. Sure. Because everything was lining up four o'clock kickoff time, away, the style of play. But luckily we're playing in the camp. No, obviously we have an incredible record there, but still we cannot take this team lightly. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about their tactical lineup. They line up in a strict four four two. And they what they do very well is they press. They press the the corners well and more importantly. This team has been injury-free for the most part this season, so they have really connected well in their partnerships, especially the first two forwards. So the first two forwards just really know how to press. And again, as we have talked about all season long, whenever we play against a tight press, we struggle because we are, don't have enough people in the midfield. So it's going to be interesting to see if we actually go with a 4-3-3 or 3-5-whatever. Right, so generally you think of them as a defensive team, and yet they're still getting off 22 shots against Valencia. Exactly. And that's going to be the biggest thing because our defense, especially on counters, is like a sieve right now, right? We give up goals when the counters and opportunities. So this pairing of the two forwards. Sometimes it's like a funnel. 
<laughs> There's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The two forwards for for Hitafe, they have worked well together in unison, and also they just know how to work when they press, right? And and also the midfield back between them. I was watching some video about them, and it is really impressive because it's something so subtle that happens, especially when this team is playing and playing as well as they are. So that's my main concern. The other thing too, Brian, they're just a tough team. I mean, we've seen this ever since we started recording. They are just physically a tough team to play. Yeah, and the last time that these two played, this was in Hitafe. Barca did win two nothing. So that's so that's something. And Ronald Araujo has been getting called up from the B team. He's been sitting on the bench so far, but this could be an opportunity for him to see actual time. Yeah, you know, I think PK is going to come back and the issues with Longley and Umtiti, you know, maybe Ronald gets his opportunity this time. And I think we could see that, um, especially since he is healthy and, you know, it could be an opportune time, especially at home. Uh, you know, and also if he's not performing well, you can yank him and stick Longley or Umtiti. But I think we just need to get some sort of rotation back there, especially, you know, PK's coming back from injury. Umtiti, like we talked about last game, you know, he's hobbling around, you know, not as fast as he used to be. And Longley, you know, with the with the suspension, essentially. So, again, this could be an opportune time for him to get his first cap in a La Liga match. Right. I mean, if I had to bet, I think if pressed, I would predict that if there's a four backs, then you'll see just PK and Umtiti. Because Setien is willing to play those younger players, clearly, but the more experienced players will always get the nod first. Yeah. Again, it's going to be interesting if he goes with the four back. If he, I think he, actually if he goes with the four back, it would be an opportune time for Ronald to go back there because he's protected by Alba or Junior Furpo on the left side. But if he does three back, then obviously it would be, I imagine, PK, Junior Furpo, and maybe Samedo there. And I think that would be still pretty pretty equal. Again, I, I want to see some sort of adjustment, especially knowing that they're going to press us. So personally, I would like to see more midfielders because that'll give us a little bit more run of play to equal their numbers. But it's going to be an interesting battle, especially, like I said, the four o'clock vaunted kickoff time at the Camp No. Yeah, It's going to be low energy. People are going to be lethargic. Again, you have to remember here in Spain, four o'clock is like the equivalent of like 10 a.m. here in the States. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to say it just is. And you can just feel it when you're watching the match. So that's going to be a huge thing. Luckily, we're playing at the Camp No, where we have an impressive record. So hopefully we'll get these three points. We can put pressure on Madrid. Yeah. You know, that that works out well because that's exactly the time difference. It'll be 10 a.m. here in New York <laughs> when when I watch yeah. the game. So it'll I'll feel like tied in with them. That'll be good. It'll just be slightly sunnier. So we'll check that out and we'll be back on Monday to talk about it. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Isco Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.